As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Kotaku Split Screen, the show that tackles video games one extremely specific topic at a time. This week, we are tackling one game because, you know, it's the only thing anybody's talking about. It's Cyberpunk 2077, the game that last week we said we are tired of the hype about. And this week, in our own way, we are sort of contributing to, so we're giant hypocrites. But the good news is, after this episode, we're literally never going to talk about the game again. If somebody mentions it, we'll just bleep them or edit it out. Actually, we're going to murder them. Oh, yeah. That, that's we, we've decided to take extreme measures. Yeah. By the way, today I am joined not only by my usual co-hosts, Ashley Parrish and Michael Fahey. Both of you say hi, I guess. Hi. Hi, I guess. There we go. But also, we are joined by Kotaku's own guy who does everything. He's the only person who does anything <laughs> on the site. The rest of us kind of chill out all day. Riley McLeod. Hello. Riley is here because he he actually did the bulk of our cyberpunk impressions. I've been playing the game as well, but do not have anything on the site yet. Granted, we're recording this on a Tuesday. It's going to go live on Friday, so much will change. But at any rate, Riley has a great deal of experience with the game at this point. And because we are going to be talking exclusively about cyberpunk today, oof, um, he's obviously the ideal person to have on. So with that said, I think we're going to move into our first proper segment. We're going to be talking about the cyberpunk character creator in a new segment named by Ash called... <laughs> I think we should... No, 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 no. What? We should what? let Ash... Ash oh, that's right. That's right. Okay, this. Ash. This is on Ash. Yeah, take so, it away. I'm very excited about this, as you can obviously tell. Uh, we, we are <laughs> debuting and then subsequently killing a brand new segment that... <laughs> I have the privilege of calling. That's a good-looking penis. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good-looking penis. And when Fahey sings, <laughs> and we are going to be talking about the some of the character creator options in Cyberpunk 2077. And by we, I mean Nathan and Riley, because unfortunately... Mike and I are not privileged enough to get codes and uh, uh, CD Projekt Red was unable to provide console codes for the game ahead of uh, recording. So I didn't get the opportunity to dig in like I wanted to and determine if that is indeed a good looking penis. So my question, <laughs> my first question, I guess, to Riley and Nathan is, are they good looking penises? There, uh, It was talked about a lot, the fact that you would get to customize your genitalia in uh, Cyberpunk 2077. And I wanted to know what that was like. Sure. Um, I'll say, so there are uh, 
There are several genital options in the character creator. I should also say that I generally tend to not like character creators. I have sort of, I know that people find them incredibly fun. And I feel like if I play around with them too long, I my brain shorts out and I start forgetting <laughs> what like noses and ears look like. And I forget like <laughs> the entire concept of the human face. Yeah. Um, so I often tend to just kind of hurry through them. But that said... There's two penises, if I recall correctly. There's mm-hmm. a there's yeah, circumcised there one and uncircumcised one. Um, there's some size oh. options. Um, and there's one vagina, which is terrifically undetailed. I, I'm really irritated <laughs> by the single vagina option. It just feels like a, a missed opportunity. Uh, well, I mean, me. it also kind of feels like a statement of, if not intent, then at least like where priorities lied for CD yeah. Projekt. Yeah. <laughs> We're like... Other developers at least sometimes pretend that they care about, like, non-male fan bases. And for Cyberpunk, CD Projekt was just kind of like, eh, like, let's just put this kind of, like, absence of a thing here. Like, it's not even really a vagina. It's like an absence of a dick. (laughs) I was going to ask, like, so you have a a number, maybe not a great number, of customization options for a penis, but you have only the option to have or not have Mm -hmm. a vagina. It is a binary state. Yeah, I was really disappointed there weren't like size sliders the way there are with the penis. Like I, I as a trans man who's been on hormones for, you know, nearly two decades now, um, you know, diff- different things become different sizes and things happen and what have you. Um, and so I, I expected a little bit more uh, opportunity there than I <laughs> than I got. Um, I, I didn't really expect that. It's disappointing to me, but I'm also not like surprised, I think, like you were saying. Um, before that, that was a digression about my genitals. In case anybody uh, was curious, oh uh, hell yeah! And we named yeah we named the segment that's a good looking penis. So you know, feel we free. should have named it a digression about my genitals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's a, a digression. I think it's perfectly on topic. Um, one one thing I wanted to say about this: uh, there's two penis options. There's one vagina option. And it is upsetting that those are the only options. I mean, yeah, there's, um, I there's, think... there are millions of penises and millions of vaginas all around the world. Exactly. Um, and wherever so, you look. I think you have the option to not have, to, to have underpants on too. Are, the, are these real like fleshy constructs or are there the yeah, option for artificial? They have like physics applied and everything. So I can't even, in my choice of having only one vagina, I can't have it be like a neon blue... Like metallic. No, no. It's like a it's like a human vagina. Yeah. Oh. You can have like options for the vaginas. Can you can you Vajazzle? You, v- you have a facial uh pubic hair. Hey, you have pubic hair options. Yeah. Oh, is, talk to me about that. Which is fun. Um I think there's like clean shaven, there's kind of messy. I think there's some shapes, if I recall. Oh nice. Correctly. Yeah, you there's can have some shapes. There's like a little heart is one of the options yeah, I remember. You know. Like a tarantula. That's cool. I don't understand how people have the patience to use style their hair in that way, but okay. I know. I know we are talking at length about the <laughs> genitals. Yeah, I know. We're the one podcast that will do this for you. You can't find and this that, anywhere else. Let mm-hmm. me let me ask one more question before we go. No. Is there a clitoris? No, do, not do that this, I could. Oh, yeah, not no. that I can Jesus see. Christ. Well, I mean, it's, it's not like they just. It's something like the clitoris just hangs out. You got to find. It, well, well speaking, sometimes. You know, <laughs> without even, going into detail. Yeah. I wanted to know, like, if, yeah. you know, CD Projekt Red, despite other gamers, if they can find the clit and it doesn't seem Where like they can. Where no. oh, would that even be? I mean, 
See, my thought here is, I mean, there could be a whole lot more options yeah. for genitalia. There could be a scar option, which raises all kinds of background information about your character. Yeah. <laughs> there could be, okay, we have circumcised, uncircumcised. What about, oops, oops, half <laughs> circumcised, like the, the crunchberry kind of flavor. What about... Um, <laughs> It's a dirty, futuristic, we're living in alleys, hanging out with people. Someone's going to get some genital warts. How many <laughs> options do we want? Do we want scars? Do we want freckles on the penis? Do we want to change the size of the labia? Do we want an inflation sizer? Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I want, like, if if they're going to... Go f go for it in that way. Then I want I want to have all the you know available options. I think also at least from what I've seen in about forty hours with the game, you don't really see um, it anyway. So it's all yeah. Kind of I was about to that was going to be a question I was going to ask was the the yeah. one time that I've really ever seen any of that is when the game glitches and my character's pants briefly disappear in like <laughs> yeah. the menu screen. <laughs> like otherwise, and there was one time at the very start. Of, so you can like look in mirrors and see your character and like make facial expressions and stuff. And there was one time when I looked in the mirror right at the start of the game and just like half of my character's outfit was mysteriously gone. Mm. So like, my character's she had hair like a top falls on off like, in the mirror. Yeah. Wait, what? My character's hair always falls off. Sometimes yeah. he's just bald. Just gone. Which I thought was the game ragging on me who is bald, um, but I think it's just a glitch. That would require <laughs> that will a probably, level of self-awareness that would be yeah, frankly disturbing. Yeah, playing as a trans man who, who looks in the mirror and goes, God, I'm bald, was, uh, was very relatable to me. So in a, in a weird way, I appreciated that quite a bit. Okay. Um, but that yeah, would probably okay, be addressed so, in the 48 million gig day one patch. <laughs> so wait, but with the character creator stuff in mind, I did kind of want to connect some ideas because Riley, you were talking about sort of, you know, who your character is and like sobriety and stuff like that earlier. And I think that I, I guess what I'm wondering is like how your ability to make a character who looks a certain way and who sounds a certain way and whatnot kind of allows you to embody, you know, what you want to be in a game like this. Um, or maybe limits you because of, of a lack of options or a lack right. of focus on certain options. You know, there are there are like a lot of options in the game. Um, I don't know if you guys want to talk about the the voice options as uh -huh. well. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's character um, creator. To, yeah, so to go over that briefly, right, um, this has gotten a lot of attention, is y y your character can sort of look however you like, though it's sort of rigidly contained by what we would traditionally think of as like male and female body types. And then you can have, you know, one of your various genital options, and then your pronouns like the pronouns that characters call you are dictated by your voice so there's only male and female um or he and she i guess rather and, yeah, and to be clear know, it's um they're just two voices they're not yeah. like multiple voice options for male and female it's just one or the other yeah i had been expecting like a slider um i don't know where i got that idea so like on the one hand that's really neat right like i wrote in my write-up like my character has a traditionally male body and goes by he but has a, a vagina which is like really cool to me like I'm walking around as a, as a trans guy and I um, I never actually read this article but I was trying to make characters and character creators look like trans men like in Mass Effect and stuff to see if I could do mm -hmm. it and it was always a little bit like weird like it mostly came out looking like uh, 
it just wasn't right. Um, and of course, raised to me all kinds of questions about like, what does a trans man look like? And what, why am I messing with these sliders? What do I think? Um, and so in this way, there's something that like is really super cool to me about like, he is trans, like my character, like there he is just like me, you know, looks like me. I mean, except has, you know, hair and is probably taller <laughs> and has cyber arms and whatever. Only the most of the time um, for the hair. Yeah, most of the time. And also, Riley, like, I thought you had cyber arms. I thought that was like one of the reasons we hired you. <laughs> I would like them. <laughs> um, so like in that way, even though as I wrote, like I've seen so far, it doesn't really come up. You know, I, I played a couple sex scenes. I, I'm i really a fan of the sex scenes in like The Witcher and stuff. Like mm-hmm. when you can sleep with sex workers, I, that makes me sound gross. But like I saw them and I was like... Mm. Um, <laughs> but uh, in those scenes, I you know I appear to be, as far as I can tell, sort of using a penis to have sex with those people or something. And there's all kinds of ways that you know I could have a strap on or whatever, but that's not made clear in any way in the, in the scenes. Um, yeah, so it I was going to say like yeah, um, I'm I'm playing a character who's like you know biologically female or whatever, like traditionally like presenting and stuff. And I also did a sex scene and it seemed with with another woman. And, and it what seemed extremely that, so. straight. Like, yeah, what does it do? I'm so curious. I mean, it was very much like watching a man and a woman have sex. <laughs> like the sorts of positions that you would generally expect from like a man and a woman. And like, yeah, like you're saying, there could be a strap involved or something like that. But nonetheless, it's like, oh, it's kind of weird. Yeah, that was my experience too. I think it, it and I, I assumed it was for the purposes of, you know, only making one animation, yeah, I <laughs> um, which I respect <laughs> as, a, as a choice. Um, but yeah, so it's, you know, it's it's pretty surface level. I feel complicated about it. Um, on the one hand, that's rad. Like, my character can just be a trans guy and that rules. On the other hand, like, it doesn't matter that much. And it feels like it's more a byproduct of just sort of what the game wants to let you do with bodies you know it's not an inclusive decision which also like uh, you know I, I could take or leave I guess uh, to an extent and then that raises the question at least for me personally that I can never quite parse out for myself in terms of like what do I want from games from representation like I always feel weird when I say this but it's like I don't I don't need that you know like I'm not grateful to CD Projekt Red for giving me that option because like I see a trans body every day. Like I, I had this <laughs> funny moment where I um because I've been playing the game so much, I can see it when I when I shut my eyes. Like I can see its Oof. interface. And I was taking a shower, and there's you can shower in the game, and I love video game showers. Um, and so yeah. I was like, you know, oh I put my hands on the wall the way your character does in the game, and I looked down, and I had this cool moment where I was like huh, my body right now looks like the body that I have in the game, right? And, and I was thinking about how, you know, I, I think <laughs> to veer, like transness in the game that I've seen so far functions as this kind of, I think, out of a, an exercise with exploring like body modification and transhumanism and stuff like that. And to me, like, I don't see my own medical transition as being some kind of having anything to do with like, you know, the, the future of technology or whatever, you know, it's, um, but it, it made me think both how like, you know, my body can look like this body in the game and, and that on the one hand, the game is sort of saying these things about science and tech with my body. And on the other hand, like something I always think about a lot is like, to people who aren't me, I, I think, you know, my being trans and the way my body looks is is weird. You know, I, I 
have primarily date cis men and like to cis men like hooking up with a man with a vagina is is you know what a surprise or is a thing to work with and for me it's just like I'm so used to it like it's so boring to me like sometimes I forget that cis men have penises because I'm just like <laughs> this is how a body looks this is the genitals attached to a body um and, and so it's like it's interesting it's both cool that that it can be normal in that way in the game and also like I guess frames that sort of body as something that you could only have in the future because it's abnormal in a way that mm. it's not. That was a yeah, long digression. If they really really wanted to do that, what they should have done is added cybernetic penises and cybernetic vaginas that clank when you're in a sex scene. <laughs> but I mean, it, uh, it, that it, would be the future. What they're saying is, look how progressive we are right here with this, these options and like that's great, but this is 2077. We've gotta if we have cybernetic arms and legs, you know damn well we've got cybernetic penises. So like it'd be nice if cybernetic genitals of the future just kind of attached to you. I think one of the worst yeah. Things, yeah, and you could just one of the worst things about strap-ons is I feel like you put it on and you come out and you're like, yeah, we're, we're gonna do it, and then you have to like I at least have to fiddle with all of the straps and adjust everything, and it's like, oh, hang on, oh, I've got like a wedgie from this thing, and like I'd like in the future if we could just if they would just work, you know, and it wasn't mm-hmm. like it wasn't yeah. like tying a tie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, also. You you were talking about you know the way that you could embo- the the way that you could you know have what is basically your body in the game, but I think one of the big kind of points of contention with even the extent to which CD Projekt has tried to represent various people is that the the whole like voice binary thing isn't really yeah. the way that most people, a lot of trans people at least like view themselves, um, and the voice is a big part of it. Yeah, it's it's an incredibly, I think, kind of retrograde, simplistic idea. I think that, you know, voice is super fraught for a lot of trans people, obviously. And so this idea, it's it seems easily played for, you know, it could be played for laughs. It's a kind of trope we see in, you know, movies mm-hmm. where there's some, you know, hyper-feminine woman and then she talks in her deep voice and we all laugh, you know? And so it's... It's a, a weird choice, especially if they had such flexibility. Like, I don't see why it couldn't just be choose your pronoun, right? It would have been just as easy to not tie it to anything and it wouldn't have made a difference. So, it, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird decision and it's a missed opportunity, I think, to do something more interesting, you know, just because it's more interesting than games we've seen before doesn't make it like, you know good yeah i have one last question because i'm my character creators i love them that's that's what i do uh i wanted to ask about the hair options specifically if you guys can remember nathan you will know what this is because i've mentioned it on the podcast before are there dookie braids (laughs) riley i guess to, to explain dookie braids are um there's usually when you have like when character creators want to add like that one ethnic hairstyle uh-huh. they'll give you dreadlocks but they're like dreadlocks that are about the size of your wrist so you know i'm black and where i come from we call those like really really thick kind of braids or dreadlocks dookie braids because of what it reminds us of so i was wondering <laughs> if if there are dreadlocks or braids like that in the game or if they're a little bit better in the representation of black hairstyles mm. If you don't remember, that's fine. Um, I don't I'm remember. I know that curious. I think they were like um, cornrow sort of things. I might be getting that word wrong. I'm bald, so my expertise in hair <laughs> is, you know, from four years ago when I had hair. Um, 
And I unfortunately do not recall. No, no. If you don't remember, you don't remember. It's no big deal. This is just me satisfying my curiosity because like hair and genitalia were the two things when I reviewed the character, when I will eventually review the character creator were the two things that I wanted to focus on. So you guys don't remember it. It's, it's cool. Uh, the, it will remain a mystery and I will be surprised when I finally get a chance to take a look at the game myself. How exciting. All right. With all that said, I think it is time for a short break. Hi, I'm Jane McManus. And I'm Julie DeCaro. And we're here to invite you to listen to our new Deadspin podcast, The Ladies Room. Yeah, we can't promise it'll be all bathroom humor, but we can promise some. Plus, we're going to have all things related to sports and women and lots of great guests to talk about this with. And we also promise that you'll laugh a lot. And maybe think a little, too. Our first episode is dropping soon, so make sure to subscribe to The Ladies Room wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back, everybody. We are now moving on to our second segment of the day, in which... Fahey and Ash are going to ask Riley and I some questions about the game. Fahey, what was the, how did you repurpose AFQs? What was your version of the acronym for this? Well, AFQs generally ask Fahey questions, but this time around, instead of going Fahey and Ash's questions, which would be FAQs would make sense, we're going to call it Ash and Fahey's questions. (laughs) Everybody. (laughs) Hmm. Maybe next time. Um, okay. All right. So, yeah, again, the idea is uh, Riley and I have played Cyberpunk. At this point, Ash and Fahey have not. Again, we're recording on Tuesday. So by the time this episode comes out, they probably will have played it. But anyway, Maybe. ask away. What do y'all want to know about the biggest game of the year? <laughs> is it the biggest game of the year? Does it feel like that to you? Uh, in terms of like the hype and, you know, everything else surrounding it. And I think just the general level of interest, uh, I I think so, yeah. Like, for instance, on the Washington Post and otherwise, you know, mainstream news outlet, their review of Cyberpunk was the biggest story of the day yesterday across the entire site. Yeah, so. But just like you, you we had the conversation we had last week about hype and how we're all terminally sick of it. Now that you can... If you can, if one even can divorce the hype and the marketing and everybody's discussion around cyberpunk now that you have it in your hands. And, you know, if you could game in a hermetically sealed tube without that influence, would you Mm. think of it or does it feel like it is the game that it tried to tell you it was? It just feels like a game. I mean, like if you take it entirely on its own terms and shut out everything else, which separate discussion, but I don't think you can. Um, No. But that said, if you just play the game, then yeah, I mean, it feels like a fairly standard, albeit slightly more ambitious in certain ways, AAA game. Like, Mm -hmm. it's one of those things where I would characterize it as like, you know, you take an open world city game, kind of a deus ex, like whatever you want to call it, immersive sim, and maybe a couple other genres, and then just twist some knobs, right? So like, some things are dialed up to like, nine or ten and other things aren't that would be dialed up higher in other open world games but in terms of like it being a giant revolution 
or even a game that is like absolutely abhorrent in certain ways that other AAA games aren't. None of that is really the case. I mean, it's all just kind of like for, for all the time I've spent playing it and being like, wow, this is Cyberpunk 2077, a game that everybody's been waiting for forever. I've never been like, whoa, that really surprised me. Mm. It's just like, yeah, that's, this is what I was expecting this game to be, more or less. Yeah, I think I was hoping, though not expecting, that it would be, you know, The Witcher 3, but in the future. And from what I've seen so far, it feels smaller than that game, you know, physically at least. Like, as far as I can tell, you're only on this one map. And the map is humongous, but it's not, you know, I, I haven't visited multiple different worlds, you know, the way that you do in The Witcher. Um, yeah, Nathan, you and I were talking a lot about how it feels like it's just a video game and that's a hard thing to understand when somebody says it and it's still a thing I'm parsing through. But yeah, yeah I mean, it feels like if I had heard nothing about it somehow. Yeah, you might be like, what's all the hubbub about? Yeah, I would sort of be like, eh, it's, it's an okay RPG and it's like kind of almost Deus Ex, but it's not Deus Ex. I think if I'd heard nothing about it, I would have gone, why isn't this Deus Ex? Yeah, I mean, um, which I, is, of course, not anything it says it is or you know, right. that I would expect. But I, I would be interested in like the viewpoint of somebody who just like barely plays video games and they try this um, because I think it has like enough like visual panache and like feels enough like a kind of a different place and like obviously is edgy enough in terms of like, showing lots of nudity and whatnot that I think somebody who like never plays video games would be like, Whoa, I didn't know this is what video games were now. But yeah, I think definitely. that would be like kind of the, the bar, the, the lowest bar for somebody being really surprised by it. I think people who play video games frequently are going to be like, yeah, this is another game. But at the same time, it's a good enough version of another game that the people who want it to be the best game ever will probably be able to say, yes, this is the best game ever. I can't believe how good it is. Yeah, I think it depends what what things go into your vision of the best game ever. Um, I think it does feel really excitingly like a different place. And while I'm still not sure, you know, what that how I feel about that place, um, I haven't played a ton of like AAA games this year, and so I definitely ha I sort of it's been reminding me of the pleasure of, of being like, here I am in this totally different world. What's it like? What's here? What's there? And, you know, something that slowed down my review progress quite a bit is I'm like, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go over here. Like, and I haven't had that feeling in a game in a, in a while, probably just because I haven't I haven't played you know Watch Dogs Legion and and AC Valhalla and stuff like that. So, um, but it's nice that it has that and that feels good. You know? Yeah, absolutely. All right, another question. Another question. Here's one for me. Speaking of the same thing, I look at a game like The Witcher and I see all these diverse locations and different areas, and you'll be in a swamp one minute and you'll be in a in a in a beautiful flower covered field the next minute. Is there that sort of variety to the locations in Cyberpunk? I mean, all the screenshots I see are Either you're outside some ruined ground with uh, with Keanu or you're in a neon soak city. Is it all neon soak city? Hey, I have a question for you. I have Go a question ahead. for you in the segment okay. where you're asking questions to me. That's how not, do you feel not... about garbage? <laughs> how do I feel about garbage? The band? The band? Uh, if oh only. Oh my God. How There's do you feel another about garbage? music reference. <laughs> mm -hmm. Ashley doesn't yes. get. Yeah, that's... I mean, um, I'm only happy when it rains. <laughs> Good job. That is a good song. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, yeah. So there's a lot of trash. Uh, kind of a <laughs> primary visual motif in the game is this garbage. This is less. Yeah, but I mean, it's sort of like their, their shorthand for like 
lived in environment, right? Is like, how do you show that someone's been here? Oh, they put a lot of garbage everywhere. There's a piece of pizza over here and a dildo over there. This is proof that someone has been here, even if they're not physically present right now. So they do a lot of that. (laughs) And it feels kind of like, like, I think that most of the time they do it, and this is impressive, uh, legitimately, most of the time they do it, it's like bespoke. They're not like cloning the same environment that's garbage laden and putting it all over the place. Every time it's like somebody meticulously arranged this, which is probably why this game took forever to make. But when that's like your main visual motif for like somebody has been here, it all kind of runs together pretty fast. And you're just like, I guess this feels like a world people have lived in, but they all kind of live the same way in it. Yeah. I mean, you know, the the city's divided into different districts and then those districts have different areas and those areas do feel different. I also really appreciate the sense I have driving around on my terrible, terrible bike all the time is is that the the areas sort of change. It feels like they change kind of naturally. I don't know if Nathan, you found that too. I I found myself getting really like lost Mm -hmm. and not always being sure where I am, but then also being able to see the progression of the visual changes from neighborhood to neighborhood. And I like that, you know, because it's it's like here where I live in New York City. It's not like I'm in, you know, my neighborhood and then I'm in another neighborhood. And it's obvious now that I have, you know, the whole design changes, but it's like a subtle thing. And so I really <laughs> right. like that. Everything does feel a little samey. Like I did notice that in like the corporate center, which I like zoomed into on my bike, it does feel really different. People dress differently. There's less trash. And I thought that was really cool. I was driving around on my bike and I ended up way out on the outskirts where there's all these like greenhouses or something. And it was really cool. Um, Like there was nothing there really. And I've had some cool moments like out in the Badlands where I was somewhere and I look over and you can see Night City in the background. And it, it felt like being really outside of the city in this way that I found sort of surprisingly like moving um, and sort of restful in a way that I really enjoyed. Yeah, I I think it's worth noting, too, that like Riley talked about how it's kind of subtle differences versus these like really obvious ones. But I think it's also easier to create really obvious differences in the kind of environments that a game like The Witcher has, which are very, you know, like nature based. And so like the difference between regular forest or swampland and like snow covered zone is very stark. Whereas Mm -hmm. with a city, like how many configurations of some buildings and streets can you do that are just like, whoa, this is obviously a very different area. And then past that point, like how much sense does it even make to do that? Because why would you have a city that's like two different cities crammed into one? Yeah, it'd be definitely. weird. So yeah. It feels, yeah, it feels samey in that way in that it it's all under the umbrella of city. But I guess that's kind of the, the, the that's cyberpunk. That's cyberpunk. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get a lot of cyberpunk adventures where they're like, okay, we're going into the woods to hunt an ogre. That's Shadow Run. That's a different thing. I should finish those games. I like those games. Yeah, those games oh. are really good. Oh, they're really let's good. Play, let's play Shadow Run instead. Yeah. Let's quit. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what that is. Uh, you would like it. Oh. Actually, I think it's, you would. Yeah. It's Elite cyberpunk with cyberpunk magic. fantasy. Yeah, yeah, with like fantasy characters. Yeah. Orcs isn't that a, isn't and it elves. a tabletop RPG game? Yeah, they, they also have video games. Yeah. games. Yeah. Oh. It's like three of them, I think. There's some CRPGs and there's a really bad shooter they had for the Xbox. Oh, yeah. They did have that. Yeah. That I was heard weird. that the Shadow Runs, like they all got better. I own them all, but I haven't played um haven't played Hong Kong and I, I would argue that the second one is the best one. Dragonfall is super Dragonfall. good. Dragonfall, yeah. I yeah. really liked those games, which surprised me because there's so much stuff I don't like. But what I, if somebody yeah. asks another <laughs> question about Cyberpunk? <laughs> What? <laughs> and not about Shadowrun. Yeah, yeah. It's your turn, uh, Ash. Uh, you can do it. 
Have you guys finished the story yet? Have either of you actually finished the game? <laughs> no. no. I, I was surprised to see that other reviewers had, and I was very yeah. impressed. Um, I think I could have, and I tried. Um, I think a lot like The Witcher, like, I, please don't come destroy me on the internet. But the, the main story of The Witcher wasn't that interesting to me, or as interesting to me as the stories surrounding it. And so I found myself having the same feeling with cyberpunk, where like things are happening, and the main story is neat, and it's cyberpunky, and it feels like a... The William Gibson narrative, but I, I could take it or you know take it or leave it so far. So I've had way more fun doing like side quests and. Um, Are there any like side quests like the Bloody Baron in The Witcher Three that make you go like, "Holy shit, this is a fucking game"? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> I, I found one that I did that was really interesting. I've been a little disappointed in side quests so far, which I think one of the great things about The Witcher was you know, quests would go in all kinds of strange, you know, moving weird directions. And I haven't quite found that here. I think a lot of the side stuff I've done has been pretty basic, like, you know, shoot some stuffs, um, but not all yeah. of them. And so the ones that I've done that aren't that make me wonder, like, are there more? Um, characters appear to have like personal quests, which I've now gotten in a big flood where like five people are like, hurry up and come see me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, hang on everyone. Um, so I don't know yet. Yeah. Yeah, at this point, I, I would say I also have not really encountered anything that is on the level with Bloody Baron. I mean, the quests are like, the side quests that I've encountered so far, and I'm like midway through Act 2 of the game, have been like compelling, I would say. Yeah. But definitely you don't not sound like... very sure. Yeah, you, you <laughs> well, weren't sure about that. So the, what I'm holding them up to, like, so they're better than, for instance, what I've been encountering in like Assassin's Creed Valhalla which is a game that I think in a lot of ways models itself after The Witcher 3. Hmm. But they, the ones in Cyberpunk are not on the same level as much of what I encountered in The Witcher 3, which I think was just a game where, you know, each side quest sort of like ended up blossoming into like a multi-layered kind of, you know, multi-part story that would often go in surprising directions. And Cyberpunk just like hasn't quite done that yet. Maybe to what Riley's saying, like, some of the character quests will do a little bit more of that. But so far, they've just kind of been like character driven, but often like one and dones. I, I encountered yeah. one recently that I really liked. And um, again, so, I mean, spoilers, but like mild spoilers. This is not a main story thing. This isn't really that huge of a deal. I can actually obscure some details. There's a character that you save at one point in the game. And then later you can do a side quest involving her. And it sort of ends up going into the nature of like trauma yeah. And it does it in a way that's like, at least depending on the choices you make in dialogue, it can be very sensitive and can be very like kind of a, I think, not too on the nose explanation of how trauma works, even in the face of like technological advancements that could, you know, wipe somebody's memory or whatever. Like the sorts of, you know, ways that it permeates your life and can drive you to, you know, have tremendous anxiety and fear over something that's not likely to happen. Yeah, I've definitely had a couple side quests that are very true to my experience of The Witcher where I think I'm saying the sensitive thing or the kind thing or the right thing. And I even, as I did in The Witcher, praise myself for being such a good person. And sometimes those choices seem obviously wrong. And I, I think that maybe me, me and, and CD Projekt Red just have different ideas about what people should do, though I don't think that they're wrong. When I'm wrong, I don't feel like they're wrong. But I had a, a, a quest like that where I was like, this is the right option to reply. And it, uh, it was not. <laughs> um, and I cheated and I reloaded because come on no way 
but yeah, there are those things. I, I, I've played a side quest that I suspect has future ramifications, but I'm not sure if it does. Um, I'm very curious to see what happens there. All right. Well, I think it's probably time for us to take another break. So Wait, we're going to. Sorry. I, I didn't wow. know if they had another. I know. Ash, I keep the doing break that. Break interrupter today. I, I keep having How questions. How dare you disrespect I'm... our ads? <laughs> <laughs> I keep having questions because I'm like deeply curious because I don't know if there are going to be any other ways that I meaningfully interact with this game other than reading the reviews of my peers and reviewing the character creator because of all the attendant garbage that has associated itself with this game <laughs> is so so the witcher 3 i and i hate that we invariably you know compare this to the witcher 3 because it sounds like from you guys and what everybody else is saying that they're completely different games and they just deserve to be evaluated on their own merits but to invariably draw again another comparison to witcher 3 is there another kind of like mini game that you can invest yourself in on the level of gwent Gwent. Mm. Hmm. not that i've seen yet there's yeah some activities that are similar to The Witcher 3. Um, but I haven't found a Gwent yet. I was really hoping that I would. I've played a lot of a lot of Gwent. Um, I'm bad at it, but I like it. Um, yeah, they should have just put in Gwent too. It just should have been yeah, called so a that. Cyber Gwent. It could have been just like, you know, Gwent. And like yeah. characters would, repeat, would repeatedly be like, why is it called Gwent? And no one would know. They'd all be like, uh <laughs> That would be good. I mean, I think that it's funny because I I was expecting The Witcher 3 in the future. And when I think about it, I don't know why I expected that. I wasn't told it would be that by anyone who would know. So in, in some way, it does kind of feel unfair. On the other hand, I think at least for me, the bulk of my interest in the game came from... From you that know, connection. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, well, I, I mean, think that's, that's like what a fair CD project has done for the past several years. They did Witcher 1, Witcher 2, Witcher 3, and Gwent. Yeah, I yeah mean, at the same several time, years is understating it. It's been like decades. Yeah. 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 But at the same time, it's like, you know, right, we, this game was first announced in 2012, during which time, you know, there were many witchers. Um, and so I wonder in some way, I don't know who did what or how that was set up at the studio, but, you know, I wonder if that's also like not a fair comparison or like, you know, hopefully, hopefully if someone who made CD, you know, who made cyberpunk is listening to this to not like, Oh, but I was you know, working on this while everyone else was doing the Witcher. How dare you or something? Um, right. Right. You know, it could be a very separate thing. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. That. that said, allow me to paint a scenario for you that, um, I think could come true in the game. Uh, disclaimer. I don't actually think that. So <laughs> to begin, I know there's a lot of speculation around whether or not like Siri makes an appearance in this mm. game. Full disclosure. If it happens, I haven't found it. That said, here's how it's going to unfold. Okay. Siri's going to warp into the cyberpunk future and teach everyone Gwent. And then at that point, Gwent will become this like vast phenomenon in the cyberpunk world and you'll be able to challenge anybody to games of Gwent. That's going to go down. It's going to be my words. It's going to be an expansion. <laughs> I, w- I would totally play that. I found a bar that's called Dandelion's Cocktails, but that's all I've found oh, so that's far. A fun little reference. Aww, yeah, cool. <laughs> uh, but that's all I've seen so far. Uh, I'm really excited for play. players to for players to look for that connection. You know, it's one of the. I think with all of, you know something that's exciting about working in in video games journalism is you know everybody players find so many things that you wouldn't find yourself and and so I think I'm really excited for people to have it and and start finding things I didn't and. That'll be a fun conversation to have. Absolutely. All right. Now do let's we take want a to break. take another break? Are we going to okay, do it? Ashley? It's totally fine with me. Please All right. Continue. Our break okay. regulator has said that it is okay for us to take a break. <laughs> so we will now take a break. 
And we are back for our last segment of the day, which we are calling Cyber Talk 2077. <gasps> uh, if you look really closely, you might notice that it's just crosstalk in disguise. But my advice to you is to just not look closely. Don't interrogate any of this. Don't think critically. It's the wrong thing to do because <laughs> it'll make us look bad. Anyway, so <laughs> we're just going to, you know, I think talk about some of the things that maybe didn't make it into the other more structured discussions of cyberpunk. One thing that I wanted to hit, just because I find it to be a really interesting dilemma, that I think any game that sort of calls itself a cyberpunk game is having to deal with at this point is the kind of way that when these games come out, the, the concerns that they sort of focus on kind of immediately seem antiquated because we are basically living in a cyberpunk future. And I think that like day by day, we get a little bit wiser to like the ways that, you know, corporations and other entities are either, you know, surveilling us or exploiting us or collecting our data or what have you. And so when games like Cyberpunk or Watch Dogs Legion, which I think tried to be a lot more about modern issues, come out, the, the content of them immediately kind of feels like it's, you know, at least a bit of a swing and a miss. Like it's a very spirited swing, but it's like, uh, I'm not sure if that really fits. So like in the case of Cyberpunk, the game is on one hand very much about like corporations have taken over the world. That's the backdrop for this game. But at the same time, the main concerns are like not, you know, the ways corporations are exploiting the workforce and people like, or like mining people's data. In fact, the game barely even mentions data. Instead, it's about like, oh no, somebody put on too many robot arms and now they've lost their mind. <laughs> like, which to me just feels very goofy. But again, I think one of the things that Riley hit on in his impressions and that he and I talked about is that the game in a lot of ways isn't really meant to be like a piece of modern cyberpunk. It feels like it wants to be a piece of like 80s cyberpunk or like an homage to those works. And so it carries over a lot of like their concerns and themes and ideas, despite the fact that now that we're living in a sort of, you know, cyberpunk dystopia, our concerns are very different. Yeah, I think something I've been struggling to articulate is that it, you know, through the lore, you can trace through facts how the world became the way that it is. But I don't know that I understand how people became that way. It doesn't feel like a, you know, now corporations run the, run the world and everyone has cyber arms. Like it, it doesn't feel like a thing that, like, like it doesn't address how did humans then decide to all get cyber arms. I feel like, you know, like it, I couldn't trace the intellectual and emotional arc of a single human into the cyberpunk dystopia. Right. But at the same time, I mean, like, you know, not to be all 2020 about it, but like, you know, right now we are in this situation where like the rich and powerful are leaving us to die and we're not really doing anything about that, that we also like are. So, so in some way it's like, yes, I can see it. But humanity now, I think, you know, wonderfully hasn't just given up and been like, yep, the government is its own special interest group that makes its own money, whatever. Whereas I think in the world of cyberpunk, people kind of have, you know, they're like, yep, this is what happens now. Yeah. I um, find that to be a common theme in a lot of like works about sort of dystopian worlds that have been made maybe primarily by like white people um, or yeah. even like, you know, semi-wealthy white people is there's this theme of like all the people who would have an interest in the world being better have just given up. 
And I've yet to see that ever play out in real life. It's like, um, you know, what about like the role of activism? Something that just doesn't really exist in this world. The like primary there activist some, in this world though. is Johnny Silverhand. Like he's the representative of, I guess, what activism was like prior to everything getting as bad as it was yeah. in Cyberpunk 2077. I mean, like Deus Ex, the, the, the recent Deus Ex has into that too, right? Where, where you have these different sort of movements, but they're all kind of vague and, and mashed together and it never feels, you know, real. Um, and here so far, I've had the same feeling there is undercurrents of, you know, protests. There's some cool, like, you know, emails you can find and stuff, but they feel minor and sort of secondary. Well, yeah. And that's another thing that I think you and I have discussed some, which is this like kind of odd disconnect between like the mountains of lore and then the world you end up inhabiting. Like the world doesn't really reflect a lot of what the lore talks about. Yeah, I think you and I had both said it, it seems like some of that lore is super essential. Um, there's definitely like, there's a side quest I did that I understood because I'd seen all this background lore. And and when I pay attention to that stuff, I, I, I can see these broader machinations. And it is interesting, you know, like the, in the elevators, you know, the news plays and you'll through that sort of see things happening and changing and then you'll find lore books about it and stuff like that. So that stuff is definitely... Many people clearly worked very hard on that, but in terms of the main stuff that's in your face, yeah, you don't you don't get it in the same way. Yeah, and the game just like, because, you know, again, they, the world is like ruled by corporations and they sound awful. I found like a piece of lore that was like this tongue-in-cheek like approach to talking about like how t- corporations treat people. The idea being that it was like a magazine or something talking about the best ones to work for, the best megacorps. And one of the lines was like, this one only makes people work 90 hours every week. They're so kind to their employees. Um, but the but game, why is like, everybody so poor if they're working? Yeah, like know, all the, but I mean, I could see that happening? because like, you know, we live in a, we, we live in an era, <laughs> yeah, right? Where like, people have to work like three jobs. To, <laughs> yeah. Right, right. But the game doesn't really depict like that element of the struggle necessarily. Like, I mean, I yeah. guess it's a backdrop to it, but all you ever see anybody do is just stand around in the street all day. Yeah, people have a lot of, of free time. <laughs> yeah, um, well, just by um, working all the time. In the cyberpunk world, there there are, you know, the workers, the ones who are actually working for the company. They put them up in corporate housing. They don't need to have a lot of money. They're provided for as kind of like they're sheltered, and so they have a certain loyalty to their companies, which is such a foreign concept today. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh my god, how right. did that? Yeah, I see what you're saying. How did that possibly happen? But then I'm thinking, you know, last week's episode about the hype, that's how it happened. Everyone got really hyped (laughs) up about Apple and said, you know what? We'll work for you. Just put us in a house and we'll do some Apple work. And and the next thing you know, cyberpunk. I mean, I think that's always been like that. It's been like the really, you know, sad and revealing thing about cyberpunk in general is that in that way, it's kind of a game about itself. Like Mm. when you have a big sort of like, semi-corporate company make a game with these sorts of themes it unavoidably becomes a game about itself i think watchdogs had the same problem mm. where like you can put all of the you know like punk rah 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 we're rebellious spirit into a game you want but if the people who are ultimately making the decisions are either influential and powerful or in the case of the head of cd project a literal billionaire mm. then mm like that game is going to be compromised and the sort of message it can even convey. 
And to that point, like cyberpunk, at least what I've played of it, which is, you know, 25, 30 hours, somewhere in there so far, mostly doesn't seem to be about like asking critical or incisive questions or really examining the world that it takes place in. Instead, it just sort of ends up being a game about the characters that you're playing as and some stuff happening in their lives. But it's not like, you know, how do we change the system, the structure and everything, Um, which in some ways is true to cyberpunk as a genre. I think a lot of cyberpunk stories tend to be about characters doing what they do in their world and not like trying to actually change it. They're very individualistic or even often like libertarian stories as opposed to being like idealistic and, you know, maybe made with the goal of like utopia or something. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, I think to, to get back to something we talked about before, I think maybe it, it sort of, the game has to make that break between now and the future in order to give you that sense of entering into this new exciting world. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know that I'd, that's all I was gonna say. I don't know that I'd want to play a game that spends, you know, 10 hours getting you there, but actually I totally would. <laughs> um, but I understand why it doesn't do that as well. And I understand the the effect of, you know, you get the sort of Bioshock rapture effect of, of just entering into this strange place um, and then, you know, being in it. And so, so in that way, I, I, it makes sense to me as a choice, even though it, obviously there were a lot of different choices available and the people who made it could have chosen any one. Any one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. It's just one of those, like, it's one of those weird things where part of me wonders how much that choice also influenced, you know, what the game became in terms of like its impact on various gaming communities and like games culture. If it had been more incisive and more of a like game that was like, okay, we're going to engage with real world topics. Would it have attracted the same audience of people who now speaking of a story that's unfolding right now? Uh, today on Tuesday, you know, people who have decided to go after a journalist who had epileptic seizures as a result of playing the game by sending her videos that would trigger seizures, like these kinds of things where the, the sort of loyalty to this game that I think wants to be, you know, maybe not purely entertainment, but like quote unquote apolitical, um, and wants to like at the same time be sort of edgy in these particular ways that appeal to certain segments of online audiences like does that not cause people to behave in a certain way but does it appeal to groups of people who would then go on to do crappy things and does cd project kind of just like letting that all occur feed back into all of that like i feel like these ideas are connected and it's really hard to connect them directly but there are kind of like micro connections there yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's it Riley you're just gonna say yeah 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 Yeah. he's gonna say yeah yeah and then we just end the episode that's how we're gonna do it that's it yeah that's what we're gonna do not with a bang but whimper that isn't that like kind of what the theme has been a little bit oh man you're not wrong yeah it it is kind of anticlimactic in that sense it is a little it's both to me a relief to finally have it and and have people stop telling me what it is and what I should think it is. Um, but it's also like, I think because of all of the fervor around it, there is something a little bit, a little disappointing in being like, oh, here it is. Um, but also sort of like, ah, oh, here it is, you know? <laughs> <laughs> 
Because um, now we can all thankfully move on with our lives. Nope, just kidding. This is me. all we're going to talk about yeah. for the Keep next on. month and a half. Yes. Yeah. Don't but forget. at the same time, we're never going to talk about cyberpunk on the podcast again. That so is an ironclad promise that I Don't definitely forget. intend to keep and cannot emphasize that enough. We'll absolutely keep it. If I don't, well then, God help me. Where are you going to say, Fahey? I was going to say, don't forget uh, the, oh, here it is. There it is. Whoop, there it is as well. <laughs> that was very important. I couldn't let that go. And uh, and join us next week for our podcast about Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we're just a cyber tw- Cyberpunk 2077 fan cast now, unfortunately. That is our future. Our cyberpunk future. Woo. Anyway, um, I have been one of your hosts, Nathan Grayson. And as ever, I was joined by Ash Parrish and Mike Fahey. Say bye, y'all. Bye, what, y'all. What? And also Riley, uh, who has been great. Thanks. Thanks Thank for you, joining Riley. us, Riley. Yeah. You're the best. You are the best. We all love Riley. You literally hold to talk of, uh, together. <laughs> I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, so it's always interesting to be on them. <laughs> Well, okay. thanks for telling us we're a piece of shit and you do not care about our opinions at all. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah, it really helps humble us. And I feel better now. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> in, see you in next- my role, in my role as the guy who does everything, I feel like a lot of people talk at me, and so when I realize that podcasts are like people are talking at me, sometimes I'm just like, oh man. Um, anyway, but that I, said, <laughs> see you next week, everyone. You are listening to Kotaku's Split Screen Podcast. You can reach us via email at splitscreen at kotaku.com and on Twitter at Uncle Fahey, which is Mike Fahey, at VAHN16, which is me, and at Ad Astra, which is Ashley. Our producer is Michaela Heck, and our sound engineer is Jamie Colazzo.